0: Kansas shows why they're top dog still in the big 12 in basketball, a whole lot more, including Scott drew getting ejected, but Baylor picking up a big win. Also massive big Monday matchup tonight between Kansas state and Kansas have some thoughts on that. Cincinnati picks up a big win on the road and the super league in college football might be a bit closer than we thought. What does that mean for the big 12? It's a crowded Monday show here on the big 12 watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, you all can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter. You all can find the show at NWPod365. You guys can find it also wherever you guys get your podcast. five stars in those places. Uh, and uh, on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. All of those things help grow Crystal Ball College football, grow this show. And I really do appreciate it uh, when you guys do that. We're on the way to 13K right now. So every single subscription really does help. We hope that you all uh, will do that for us. So before we do the Super League thing, which, you know, football, we'll talk about, like, this was such a great weekend of Big 12 basketball that we have to go with that because there are a bunch of close games this weekend and a bunch of really significant results, in my opinion. I mean, it's outside the obvious. So let's start with Kansas 78, Houston 65. Uh, this was one of four top 10 matchups this weekend. The Big 12 was the only conference that had two ranked versus ranked matchups this weekend as well. And here was the big difference in this game because Houston outscores uh, you know, Kansas in the second half. But what really impressed me was the way that KU did the stuff better that Houston is good at. So in this game, I thought Kansas was the more aggressive team. Uh, You know, they were really good on the glass. They were plus 16 in the rebounding department. Now, Houston does it with a combination of size. But really, what, what Houston does on the glass very well is the aggression, the way that they rebound as a team. That was reflected in the 13 offensive rebounds they did have in this game. But Kansas overall gets the edge and is able to you know, limit things. And look, Houston didn't shoot well enough to win the game. LJ Cryer caught serious fire in the second half, no pun intended there. Um, but it was a, you know, a rough day for Jamal Shedd, who was two for nine. I thought uh, we saw you know um, our guy DeWan Harris do a great job defensively in this game. This was one of those where he showed up in a big way defensively. Kevin McCuller off the injury, scores 17.7 rebounds and three assists. Does have five turnovers, but uh, four Jayhawks in double figures, and it was the efficiency of them overall. Their offense was fantastic. Houston is one of – I mean, they are, they're in Ken Palm, I think, in every number. Like, they've got the best defense in the country. Kansas shot 69% from the floor they shot 46% from three, but they only shot 13 threes. It's not a high number. So Houston shot 29. That's what they do. But Kansas made a point of kind of inflicting uh, some punishment on the inside. Hunter Dickinson, a big 20.8 rebound four assist game. And so you see a lot of times, Hey man, like you'll double a big, a lot of baseline doubling. That's what Iowa state does effectively. I didn't, I didn't remember if, um, if Houston did a ton of that, but, you got to know as a big, if you're a Zach Eady, if you're a Hunter Dickinson, if you were a Drew Timmy, that a double team a lot of times is going to come. And I thought KU's movement was really good too. Johnny Furphy continues to be, uh, you know, it continues to improve like freshmen do. I mean, this is a guy right now that's, look, early in the season, you know, limit, uh, minutes were limited. But ever since the Oklahoma State game that they have played on the 16th, 15, 13, 23, 15, 11, and 17. This is a guy that's contributing in a big way in conference play, and 5 of 6, 4 of 12 was the one bad one. 7 of 8, 5 of 8, 4 of 7, 6 of 7. This is a guy in the last month If you look into the splits and, the, and, and whatnot and how well he's done. Um, he's just shooting the cover off the ball. He really is shooting the cover off the ball, and especially in Allen Fieldhouse, he's 56% from the floor, 45 from 3 this year at home with the freshman from melbourne so he's in one of those guys that just he looks like uh you know they kind of got the right kind of freshman in there and i'm not saying like you know he's the right kind of player or whatever but like he is a guy who's improving as it gets along much like uh you know the grady dicks the world of now is he an nba player i don't you know is he a fantastic freshman like some other guys that we see uh, i don't know if he's like that level but He's a damn good player already. He moves very well without the basketball. He's a really good shooter. He's very good at getting himself open. And so he has been really critical to what they've done. It's good to see Kansas has another gear. And they stepped up and beat a team you know, in Houston. I mean, most of the game, they were up by double digits. They beat a team in Houston that's been playing really well. Not too worried about the Cougars, but it was good to see KU come out there and roll like that against such a good team. Next biggest result was Baylor 70, Iowa State 68. What a rally from Iowa State in this game. We get the ejection late in the contest. Scott drew outside the coach's box. We get comments after the game from Baylor athletic director Mac Rhodes uh, which was, you know, uh, obviously um uh, you know, was, I think it was fun to see, you know. I know he's upset about the officiating, but like on the whole the officiating in this league is pretty good to be to be honest. Uh this was not a game where I thought the officiating was great, but it had a compelling end. Tame and Lipsy hits the jumper to go up two, and then Jaden Nunn, the VCU transfer, hits the and one, misses, but they're not able to get a good shot. Iowa State is not. And so Baylor wins. Uh both these teams are really good. Both these teams and being Baylor and and case and or Iowa State rather, identical records. Uh um 15 and six or sixteen and five rather five and three in big 12 play. And uh, this one was one of those where Dennis and Nun and bridges were all really impressive. And uh, you know, uh, they were missing, you know, had some foul trouble in a game that was Rock'em Sock'em sock em, robots, uh, robots in a game where you turn the ball over 20 times. Quality shooting could overcome that. And we've talked about Iowa state's inability to shoot on the road. It's pretty simple. Iowa state was plus nine in the turnover department. Okay. They were, department they also shot nine more free throws than baylor did they shot 32 free throws here is the problem here are the big numbers a lot of times once again i say basketball is math this was a math this was a, this was a math game um iowa state takes 10 more shots but they shoot the ball at 39 percent from the floor baylor 46 when win there for the bears three-point category 36 percent. that's not bad it's not great though Uh, five of 14. And then Baylor 52%, 12 of 23. Okay. They won that shooting category as well. Then you go to the final one. Okay. Uh, Baylor was 16 of 23. So it's 70%. Iowa state was 19 of 32, 59% from the free throw line. So that's where you lost the game. You turned them over, but you missed a bunch of free throws. And for as good as uh, as Gilbert was Keyshawn Gilbert had a great game, 24 points. Um, you, you lost the game because of your free throw shooting. You know, you, you get Jones who, uh, Robert Jones is a huge part of what they do going four for 10 from the line. That's bad. You know, Taman Lipsy two for four, right? Uh, five of eight from Gilbert, you know, it could be a little bit better there, uh, there obviously. And you lose by two and like, that's why. And so on the road, Iowa state was almost good enough to win this game but they lost in the margins. They, they did. They, they absolutely lost this game in the margins, and that is what killed them. Other big results from Saturday. We got to focus on what Texas did. Texas goes to TCU and picks up a 77-66 win. Max Acemas was awesome in this game, 21 points for him. They got 15 from Dylan to Sue. They get 13 from Mitchell, 13-11 for Mitchell. Big advantage there. They shot the ball just really well, 51 from the floor, 50 from three, 87 from the line. They did turn it over 16 times. They forced 14 of their own the other way. And so TCU shoots at 50. I mean, if you, anytime you shoot 50, 58 and 71, uh, as your percentages from the floor, you kind of have to look at, Hey, okay, where do we lose the game turnovers? And also down the stretch, Texas, max A. just hit some really clutch shots. Um, and so, uh, that that key shooting. And, and look, Rodney Terry, I, I saw an article last week in the Austin-American Statesman about fans potentially souring on Rodney Terry already. Yeah, man, I mean, I, I would check that. Like, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's got to learn how to, you know, learn to coach as well, just going throughout time. It's going to be big for him to do, yes. But I think he's a good coach. I think he knows what he's doing. I think Texas fans always think, well, we can have the best uh here at texas and uh, we don't always have to wait for it but i think Roddy terry might be worth the wait you know his second trip as a head coach but this is a really good basketball team and the big question is can they recreate this in the end of february and in the march there'll be plenty of more losses but they're 15 and 7 another eighth in the league four and five in the league still though and they avoided three straight losses guys this is the second time they've done that all right They had the back-to-back losses at West Virginia and UCF, which are two bad losses, but they get the big win against Baylor and they beat Oklahoma on the road by 15. They then suffer the uh, the 12-point loss at BYU and a four-point loss against Houston in overtime. Well, avoid three straight losses. Yeah, you go on the road and you get a big win over a TCU team that's looked really good. This week, Iowa State and West Virginia. All right. Uh, both of those games, I think, are very exciting. You know, are very winnable. Uh, Iowa State obviously coming off the hard fought battle the other day, but love what Rodney Terry's group did in the face of some pot- another potential three game losing streak. I um, think that was huge. Uh, going through some more road wins here. How about Cincinnati seventy five, Texas Tech seventy two? The Bearcats are very much still alive as an NCAA tournament team you know, in the hunt. Joe right now has them next four out. Uh, Big 12 teams on the bubble, Texas right now, last four buys. Uh, you've also got Cincinnati in the next four outs. As of right now, nine Big 12 teams are in. But if you look at what Cincinnati has racked up so far in conference play, I know it has not always been perfect for them. I know this week the loss of West Virginia was a very difficult one and one that you felt like, hey, maybe you should have won that game. But if you look at their resume and what they have picked up here in conference play, they've picked up a win at BYU. They've picked up a win against TCU at home. They've picked up a win against UCF, and they've picked up a win at Texas Tech. So they've got two road wins against top 15 teams, and their losses are against Texas ranked, Baylor ranked, Kansas ranked, and then on the road at West Virginia game, They I think they should have won. So uh, their resume. Let's see the net ratings right now. I just had these pulled up before we started the show. But for them, net ratings right now, I think you kind of like where this team is sitting. They are thirtieth in the net. They're two and four in quad one. They are two and two in quad two. So quad one and two together, they are four and six. Uh, it's not that bad, you know. And, and, and I mean, once again, like the road win against Texas Tech. If you keep picking up wins like that, you're going to be in really good shape. So they are squarely in the hunt. Two big games this week: Houston and Iowa State for them um and i you know another one of those games where hey like overall the shooting for them was just pretty good they gutted this one out uh, this was this was a gutsy performance their defense played really well pop isaacs another rough shooting night five turnovers to go with a five of 19 night from the field that's kind of the big difference when your best player does that but them uh you know denying them with a, a block at the buzzer to get the win uh you know near the buzzer excuse me uh, to get the win huge stuff for iowa state there west virginia falls at home against byu byu gets to four and four in the league 16 and five overall ucf at home gets to four and five in the league they beat oklahoma by 11 so a nice win that group then hey oklahoma state gets another win over k-state uh who's now 14 and 8 75 72 which sets up a huge game tonight. So Kansas has to turn around after that big game, and they have to go to the Octagon to take on K-State. Four and a half point spread. This is Big Monday. This is what you love to see on a Big Monday. This is a game where K-State, think about, okay, like, you know, what's been happening for their season. They have lost four straight games coming into tonight. I know lenardi has got them trending the wrong direction on the bubble. All right, folks, I know that's, that's where he's got them. Um, and they do not have a ton of quality wins, but that being said, uh, this you know, this is a game they kind of almost have to have. They're they've got KU at BYU, TCU at home, at Texas, BYU again. This is a really rough stretch, so it's a huge game for K State tonight. Does Kansas go and try to feed the bigs? that try to attack K State on the interior. Is that where they go in this game? Uh, can you get a big night out of Columa if you are? And Carter, especially too. Those two guys need to be need to be great for them. Uh, the offense will need to step up. Uh, and obviously your defense is gonna have to be really, really good. And you have to rebound with them as well. But um, you know, I, I think this is a category we think about, hey, KU's playing better ball right now, but K-State's gonna be the more desperate team. Can they catch Kansas in a letdown spot? Um, so we'll we'll see if they're able to, but it's a huge game for K-State and KU I know there's just six, three in the league, but still like this league so hard. So they feel like they're kind of top dogs right now in the conference. All right, folks, let's talk some big 12 as it relates to college football. Ross Dellinger is always so great with the kind of big picture stuff. And uh, he posted an article about kind of the big picture situation right now about, you know, the meeting that's happening on Monday. With the CFP still undecided on future format, SEC and Big Ten expressed doubts in commitment. Uh, He said, almost one month ago, leaders of college football, the playoff gathered in Houston ahead of the national championship game, expecting to adopt a change in format for the 12-team playoff. However, they left the meeting without a decision as one conference delayed a vote, another hurdle, what's been multiple years of similar challenges, trying to find a consensus. The latest delays cast more doubt on the future of the CFP beyond 2025. The final year that the 10 FBS conferences and Notre Dame are contractually bonded together, the CFP's television deal with media partner ESPN through, uh, let's see, through the, the CFP in the midst of negotiations with ESPN and extend the deal, there's currently no contractually bound playoff starting in 2026. So I think that's where we have to start. Because there was an interview here also, it says, uh, where Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti commissioners said, you know, they've got doubts about the CFP if the leaders can get it right on a litany of issues. And so this is now where you have to think, okay, these two leagues, they definitely see the writing on the wall for inclusion of everybody else, right? Um, And Greg Sankey said, hey, we've got a lot to get right. The commitment we want, to see this get right. So the CFP management committee is made of those 10 commissioners and Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick, which will meet Monday today and Tuesday in Dallas two days of working towards key decisions over the playoffs, long-term future Sankey and Petiti stopped short of threats or ultimatums related to their uh, inclusion in the CFP, but they each expressed frustration over challenges of a 12 team playoff delay. So, what you're worried about here. The the biggest worry is this folks overall, if you're the big 10 or the big 12, rather than big 12 schools, there is nothing stopping the uh, nothing at all. Stopping the big 10 and the sec beyond 2026 of just going on and saying, we're going to create our own playoff. We're going to have our two leagues come together and play a schedule and create our own playoff. And, they could do that, and I think people would watch for a period of time. I also think that would hurt the sport. It goes back to an argument I've been making for a while now. I have no problem making this argument once again, uh, so I will do so here. There is a professional league in football. It is the NFL, and I know college football is moving towards a space where it is becoming a minor league. I understand that, you know, basically a, you know, a minor league for the pros. It is that in terms of ratings. It is that in terms of popularity. The NFL is king. College football is number two in terms of popularity. We get that. But people do like college football, not just for the football. People love football in this country, yes. But college football does have a regionality about it. It does have a, hey, this is my team. We have these rivals. We play in this part of the country. We have already torn out that fabric a bit with conference realignment, we will tear out it even more if we just say, well, only some schools are involved. The FCS set a playoff forever. It has worked. The same teams usually win that thing. Yes, it's kind of the same group of teams. At the same time, too, with NIL and how things are in that direction. Uh, you know, the talent is now a bit more split up than it has been in the past. Best teams still win? Sure, the best teams do still win. But the talent is a bit more split up than it has been in the past. And we are getting different teams winning. You know, we've had LSU. We've had, obviously, Alabama's won a bunch. We have had Georgia. We have had Michigan. We have had Ohio State. We have had Clemson. Uh, So, you know, there has been some differentiation. You know, T.C. was in a championship game. Washington in a championship game. You do have a bit of variance, even though it's still a top dogs. So I think that is what we should push for is a system where, hey, we have our top dogs, you have top teams, they do still win. And I'm not saying the SEC and Big Ten should not get preference because the quality of their programs, but I do think there is a danger in leaving everybody else out. I think there is a danger if we're just going to go with Alabama versus Clemson all day long, I do think that's a big problem. I do think that leads you to a bunch of issues. So we've got these uh, these guys non-committing to this situation. Uh, and Petiti says, I'm new to CFP meetings. Obviously he took over last spring. How these things develop, there have been some surprises. The focus on what it's going to look like beyond 2026 is highly important. deserves a lot more time and discussion. Uh, The Pac-12's proposal is to be Pac-2. Is there a board meeting, let's see, in Houston? Uh, Let's see, the 12-team model, 6 and 6 plus 6 format, so 6 highest-ranked conference champions plus 6 at-larges, or a 5 plus 7 model, which is the same thing but 7. Uh, obviously, the PAC-12's realignment shakeup is going to decrease the number of power conferences. Uh, the vote on this was also delayed by Washington State President Kirk Schultz, whose vote uh, in a format change is necessary. The decision must be unanimous to change the format for the final two years of the current contract. According to those knowledge of the situation, Schultz uh, introduced to CFP leadership proposal that seeks a guarantee of voting rights and revenue. Distribution for the PAC-12 is going to be PAC-2, with only Washington State and Oregon State beyond 2025. So, uh, obviously, the commissioners are not going to be cool with a full revenue share and voting rights for a team that has uh, – you know, a conference, rather, that just has two teams. They need like, to vote for the change, but I think they would rather go with four – or maybe they go with 12. But they're like, no, dude, like, we're not going to pay you all. Why are we going to pay you all? You only have two teams. So let's see what comes out of this. This was, I was always skeptical about how much power and, and what what uh, Kirk Scholes could do with this situation. I'm sure, obviously, the Big Ten and SEC have been speaking with their legal teams, trying to figure out, hey, what, are there workarounds and whatnot? But if you're the Big 12, you're stuck between that, you know, you, you are a part of this action. But you are not one of the top teams. And so that is where this gets challenging now, is that you are not one of the top two conference teams, top conferences. You are not the Big Ten. You are not the SEC. So how do you square that? How are you able to um, work from a place of, you know, you're you're not as powerful, right? Uh, that's, That's kind of where you are at this point in time. And uh, you have to figure that out. You have to figure that out, Uh, you know, in short order, it sounds like too, because we know the Big Ten, the SEC are talking, their exploratory committee, whatever the hell it's called. They've got that working now. The Big 12 needs to be looking out for what happens. The ACC and the Big 12 are kind of in the same boat right now. We'll have more on this tomorrow, but as they meet, it's important to look at this. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at nwpod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.